This is for professional and institutional clients only. We had on our hands the approval of a new zero-emission freight ferry, which is actually a ferry that are currently built in a yard in Turkey with the biggest battery park in the world. So this one is going to be delivered now in the middle of 24. So we look very much forward to have this new state-of-the-art battery-driven ferry. Welcome to the Igneo Infrastructure Partners podcast, Keeping It Real Assets. In this series, you will hear from the Igneo investment team in conversation with the leaders of our global infrastructure businesses. We will shine a light on how they operate and their approach to the challenges of an ever-changing world. We hope that you enjoy listening. Hello everyone, a very warm welcome to our episode today. My name is Ellen Richardson and I'm a director at Igneo. I'm very happy to welcome Carsten Norland this morning. Welcome. Hello everyone. Carsten is the CEO of Scanlines, which is a business operating two ferry routes between Denmark and Germany in which we are a majority shareholder. Shall we start the episode today with you giving a quick background on yourself, Carsten? I have a background in fast-moving consumer goods, worked with both Coca-Cola and local beer company. And then on top of that, I have been working for quite some years in Copenhagen airports. My background in scan lines is really coming from the commercial side of the business, but also with some knowledge of critical infrastructure. So Scanlines was a company that is not only delivering connection between Scandinavia and Germany, but also with a history of impressive green technology and really an appetite to deliver this infrastructure in a very modern new way, starting with hybrid ferries and now moving on to really aspire to to deliver zero emission in the future. And what was one of the first things you did when you arrived in the company last year? Besides having a great respect for all the things that was already done, we had on our hands the approval of a new zero emission freight ferry, which is actually a ferry that are currently built in a yard in Turkey with the biggest battery park in the world. So this one is going to be delivered now in the middle of 24. So we look very much forward to have this new state-of-the-art battery-driven ferry. So that was one of the first specific tasks. Beside that, since I started September last year, I worked a lot on changing the culture, I would say, getting the company to move into being on all levels much more curious of doing better, curious of increasing the appetite of the commercial side of the business and actually trying to improve all the touch points that we have with our customers and consumers so that we kind of improve the experience that is on board our ferry and understanding that we are not just an infrastructure, but also a service-oriented business. How do you think that was received by external shareholders, so by customers, employees, politicians? Well, it was achieved really positively that we take the step to actually introduce a zero emission, uh, full battery driven ferry on a very uh, high frequency route. We asked actually our freight customers, 
60 of the biggest one of those. And they actually really appreciate that they can actually now offer their customers a CO2 free crossing. So they will then be able to have a rest, but then at the same time, they can move their goods between Scandinavia and Germany without polluting any CO2. And then in the end, also not paying for the CO2, of course. Overall, transport contributes about 20 to 30% of emissions, but actually it's often overlooked as a sector to really drive that change. How high up do you think Green Agenda is and should be on our priority list? It should be very high. We know that our freight customers, and that is around 50% of our volume that we transport and still growing, and in the coming years, it will be more than 50%. They are very much aware and they're very mature in ESG matters and they are saying when we ask them, they are doing this not because it's something that they want to do as such, but because it is a great demand from their customers. So if they are not compliant to all the latest technology in terms of making sure that they are delivering the goods without any CO2 pollutions, they would be out of business. So it is the market-driven demand And this is why we are quite confident that this is something that will not go away. This is something that is here to stay. And the demand will just be higher and higher in the years to come. That's on the freight side. Do you think that is equivalent for our leisure customers as well? I believe it will be. To be quite honest, today, if people have to go on holiday or if they have to travel from Denmark to Germany... If you ask the consumers, they will say that it is important, but I'm not so sure that they will act on it immediately. When we see the trends in the market, it's very clear that there is a bigger consciousness for doing environmentally correct travels in Sweden as it is in Denmark, and Germany is probably somewhere in between. Looking ahead 5-10 years, it will be a driver. Keeping in mind our biggest competitor is the bridge and we have then the advantage that our route are the shortest. So you're saving around 160 kilometers if you go from Copenhagen to Hamburg using the ferry rather than taking the bridge. On top of being the shortest route is also the most environmentally correct route or corridor if you like. Then we believe that in the future this will be a significant competitive advantage also for the consumers. So looking a bit maybe at the past five years or so, what kind of projects have we done to help cut our CO2 emissions? We have done a lot. We have invested in new trusters on one of the routes. This is propulsion, which is then made in a more modern way where we are saving 15% of the total consumption of fuel. We have introduced something called rotor sales, on the ferries, which is on a good day, saving more than 20% on fuel consumption. But on average, it is saving around 4 to 5% a year. But the more important and more impressive thing is actually that the staff is really encouraged to invent small improvements in the daily lives. And I really feel from the first day I was on board that the crew on board, they are competing against each other using as little fuel as possible and trying to find some new small angles. And then they are also, of course, sharing the findings with each other. So that means to give you a flavor of the magnitude that's totally 
since 97, where we um, introduced the hybrid ferries, we have actually saved 50% of our total fuel consumption operating exactly the same number of trips. We are now using only half. So I think that that is quite impressive, actually. Pretty good to hear. And do you think since the start of this year, you have seen greater support from the Danish and German governments on green projects? Yes, for sure. In Germany, we are planning and hoping that we will also change the four ferries on the shortest connection to Germany, will be Puttgarten. We will change those uh, hopefully soon to 100% or 80% battery operations. And for that project, we have applied for support in Germany and we have gotten... I think it is around 12 million euros in support, which is 40% of the total cost of the project on the two German vessels. So that is, I think, extremely impressive and positive. On the Danish sides, it is the Danes that are building the tunnel. So the relationship between Scanlines and Danish government is a little bit more challenged than the one in Germany. But we are getting there and talking about ESG initiatives and cost savings and CO2-free travel and so on. It is getting back into actually helping us having a better relationship. And we are positive for the future. And we are also applying for support from the Danish side. But from that side, we haven't seen anything yet. But we are starting to get positive signals. And this is also the case on an EU level action. Well, Green Gender is clearly very high up on our priority list. What other areas are we focusing on? On top of that, we are focusing on making sure that we are making the journey with scan lines for the consumers and the freight customers as easy as possible. So we are working on digitalization on all areas in the travel value chain, right from you buy your ticket or book your trip. When you arrive in the port, we want to see our ferry crossing as kind of a floating bridge. So you should imagine that you get recognized by your number plate. You immediately can go on the vessel without any spending time in check-in. And on board, you would also be met by a service which is significantly higher than it is today. So focusing on digitalization as well as the consumer experience or the customer experience as such is very high on our agenda. And it is very much also linked to the cultural change that we are working on so that we make sure that people understand that they are part of a service organization. Reducing stress and creating a nice atmosphere on board is certainly also making it possible to actually sell more to our customers while they're on board the vessels. So automation, improving our customer journey experience. What about something regarding our employees? It kind of goes hand in hand because if the employees are not happy, if they don't feel safe and if they don't feel that Scanlines is a good place to work, then they will never deliver on the service excellence that we would like them to deliver on. So, of course, that is extremely important. It is also important, actually, in the context that if we don't have a reputation of a great place to work, people will choose to work somewhere else. And getting the right people and enough people is certainly a challenge uh, these days. For instance, last summer, we were actually missing a few hundred people on board during the peak season. And this, we hope 
that we will not repeat next year. So we are working very hard on increasing the engagement scores that we have among our staff. This is a really important project for us. If I might also highlight our health and safety statistics haven't really been as good as we've hoped in the past. No. What kind of projects are we doing to address that? You're quite right. I'm glad to see that during the last couple of months, it has actually improved finally. And we have been all the way through this year working hard on introducing safety talks, actually also making sure that the managers are incentivized, making sure that they are having these safety talks with their teams every day, every week, every month. We are doing safety walks, addressing hazards and whatever you can find on the ships. But actually, back to the engagement survey and the scores that we get there, it's quite interesting to learn that organizations with a high employee engagement, they actually have 70% less lost time incidents than companies that are not really having that happy employees. So engagement from the employees is really going hand in hand also with the safety issues, you can say. We've also set up ESG committee also at the board yes, level. So hopefully that is filtering from the top down as well. It's something which is really important all the way through. And we also make sure that the employees actually understand that this is high priority right from the owners, from the board and all the way down through the organization. Good to hear. And we can definitely see an impact already. So hopefully that yeah. trend continues. And as a bit of background for our listeners, we know that there is a tunnel being built on the same route as Scanlines operates between Denmark and Germany. We're currently forecasting for that to be operational at least post-2029, but from our internal estimates, probably at least post-2033. Moving to the future, how do you think that our business will look post-2033? I still believe that it will probably open later, (laughs) But, but we will see. We actually asked our freight customers uh, what they think, because there's an interesting point that the cost of actually driving through the tunnel will be significantly higher than the price of actually taking the ferry. And this is due to the fact that since the tunnel will be in competition with us, private-owned company, they are not allowed to sell their tickets at a loss. And with the very massive loans they have and also the operational costs, we know And this has been ruled also in the EU that we will end up being much more competitive in terms of pricing than uh, driving through the tunnel. So our freight customers, they're saying they need a break anyway. They will pollute when they are driving in the tunnel, whereas on our vessels, after we have changed everything to battery operations, we will offer a CO2-free crossing and the price will be also competitive. So 60 to 70% of our freight customers are at least now saying that then they will stay on the ferry. So that's very good news for us. Actually, they're also saying that since there are then two options on the crossing where we operate, both the tunnel and the ferry, the one that will actually lose out is the bridge with a longer drive to Germany. So there's a new dynamic there. On the passenger side, I think that in 33, we will not only offer battery-driven ferries, but we will also offer that you can charge your electrical car on board the vessels while you are driving to Germany. So we will offer the shortest connection, but we will also offer a nice meal and a good experience while your car is charging. And most of us will probably have an electrical car at that stage. So that means that for the 
normal cars and families going on vacation, they would need a break anyway. They would need to have a breakfast or lunch anyway. And they will, if they are not using the ferry, they will have to stop in a tank station or something like that in Germany anyway. And we do believe that our offer is then competitive when we then come to this period where there will be direct competition in terms of the tongue. Really good. Another headwind facing all of us next year is a potential recession. Yes, How yes. do you think this might impact our business in 2023? Well, if I knew, then I would probably have another job. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is a very good question. I think that uh, we try to make a plan which is also very flexible. You can say that all the things happening during the corona pandemic learned us to be very flexible on our operation and on our cost side and so on. And all those handles will be ready to go into play again. We are quite cautious in the development and are following the insights from our customers extremely close. The real answer is we don't know. And there are some dynamics which is a bit difficult to understand it seems like that the freight will probably go down in terms of fresh foods and flowers and stuff like that, time-sensitive stuff coming from, from the continent going to, to Scandinavia. But there are other sectors that seem to be more resilient. Then uh, there is the aspect of people traveling less because everything gets more expensive. People might stay at home, that's one thing, but we also could imagine that we are benefiting actually for being a cheaper alternative to traveling on vacation by airlines. So we could expect that we see people jumping in the car, driving south, maybe having a shorter vacation closer to home rather than flying down to the south of Europe. And of course, we make sure that we are ready communicating that we are the cheaper alternative and people are welcome to have a short break still going to Germany, working closely with partners and tourist organizations, both North and South. Long answer to your question, Ellen, we don't really know. That covers freight and customers. What about our border shop as well? We know from previous crises that people actually go shopping in our border shops also when it is tough times because there's a lot of money to save. But of course, most of these Border shop uh, products are also products that you don't really need. It's not like milk and butter and flour and so on. Uh, I guess you could live without beer or wine and, and, <laughs> and sweets for a while. So the leisure segment is still driving down. They are still shopping. Some of the um, one-day shopping customers, they have been driving down. We have initiated a lot of different campaigns to actually remind them of the old habits before COVID. I'm mostly afraid that some people actually, after two years of not driving down due to the COVID pandemic, have kind of forgotten that habit. So we are trying to initiate a lot of extra offers to get people back into the car and drive down to shop. I think that this will certainly continue next year. I feel that we are still missing some insights on what is really driving behavior and where are really the buttons that we need to push to make sure that we are also the reasons to go. And we can also work even more with the assortment and the way that we are communicating to our customers uh, to get people back into the border shops. 
And I think on that note, it's what you mentioned earlier that our automation project is really a very critical piece of work for us over the next yes. 12 months. Yes, yes, yes. And then maybe just to round off on a really positive note, what are the three most exciting things you think about the future of Scanlines going forward? There's so many things that, like you say, the the automation and all the new things that we have in our pipeline that we we know that the, our customers will love to see. They are all in the pipeline. So actually, right now, if you are a customer and you go down and you take a trip on the ferries, you don't see that much actually has changed yet. So what I'm really excited about is to actually execute all these things that we have in pipeline so that it actually gets visible that the experience with scanlines will change significantly versus what it was just a few years ago. Right from when you book the ticket, it's easier, it's faster, it's more convenient. When you arrive in the port, you will almost seamlessly just drive through check-in. You will be maybe prompted with an SMS saying, so, uh, hello, Ellen, would you like to book a table on board? Yes, of course you would. And then you will be welcomed on the ferry where there's a table waiting for you in restaurants and the goods that you would like to buy, you have bought those from home and they will be ready on your seat. And the captain will not be a tape-recorded welcome, but he will actually welcome the people on board personally and maybe even walk through the ship and say hello to the passengers, which we know that they like so that everything will be more pleasant. It will be a good experience. It will be a nice break on your way to Germany or the other way to Denmark. And certainly much less stressful than we have seen in the past, even through the peak periods. I just look forward to actually execute on all the stuff that we do. And and then for sure, I look very much forward to tell the politicians and our customers about the the zero emission, 100% battery-driven ferries that we will have in the future. Sounds like we have a lot of work on our hands and we look forward to working on it with you. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Well, I think that's probably all we had time for today. It was great speaking with you, Carsten. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Real Assets, the Ignea Infrastructure Partners podcast. If you enjoyed this episode... You can listen to more by following Igneo Infrastructure Partners on your favourite podcast platform. If you'd like to find out more about Igneo Infrastructure Partners, you can visit our website at igneoip.com. This podcast series was produced by Mark Gardner at OX4 Sound Studio. This podcast is not a financial promotion and has been prepared for general information purposes only. It is not intended to be investment or financial advice and does not take into account the specific investment objectives, financial situation or needs of any particular person. References to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell such securities. Investment vehicles managed by Igneo Infrastructure Partners are only available to institutional investors, professional investors qualified investors and wholesale clients. They are not available to retail clients, the general public, private customers or any persons in any jurisdiction in which their distribution is not authorised. Igneo Infrastructure Partners 
is an unlisted infrastructure asset management business and is part of the First Sentier Investors Group. We communicate and conduct business through different legal entities in different locations. Please refer to the notes section of the podcast platform you use for more information on Igneo infrastructure partners in your region. For Singapore only, the podcast should be used in accordance with the applicable laws in Singapore. In Singapore, the podcast is issued by First Sentier Investors Singapore, whose company registration number is 196900420D. This advertisement or material has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. First Sentier Investors registration number 53236800B and Igneo Infrastructure Partners registration number 53447928J are business divisions of First Sentier Investors Singapore.